Last week we talked about why faith. Why does God mention faith? Why is faith important? And it's not always what people think it is. So this morning we're going to talk about faith that moves mountains, but we're going to talk about what faith is. Why faith last week, this week, what faith is. And so how many of you know sometimes it's helpful when you're talking about what something is to explain what it's not, right? I mean, have you ever watched these game shows, these people that are real smart? I mean, you know, intellectually, you know, they, it, I mean, like, they read the encyclopedia when they get up and go to bed. You know what I mean? Like, I got a good book, they're like reading, the, you know, they're scouring the inter internet for just random information. Have you ever watched those game shows? And you're like, how do you know all these things? What, what do you do? And I've, I'm, they're married with 12 kids, and you, know, you think, what in the world? But uh, they, they know things. They just know things. But sometimes you get into an area where you, you, maybe it's a sports question, you know, and uh, they come up with some of the most, you know, sports you'd think everybody would know it. But these people seem not to know sports. Like, you know, who did this? And they're like, you know, what is this called? And they're like, a touchdown. And it's in basketball. If you're not laughing, you're probably that contestant. <laughs> right? And so they're like, uh, you know, you scored a touchdown. And you're thinking, What? How did you come up with that? So sometimes knowing what something is not helps a bunch and can actually clarify things. So we're going to talk about what faith is. So turn to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to begin here and looking at what faith is not. 1 Corinthians 13. And this can actually chip things away that are in your life that you may be thinking, I'm living by faith, and maybe aren't living by faith. You with me? Or can help you to help somebody else, because maybe you are living by faith, but then you could help other people uh, when you hear things and go, oh, not that you jump on them and go, that's not faith, you know, but you could help move somebody maybe if they were open to faith and open to hearing the truth. 1 Corinthians 13, notice this in verse 13. It says, and now abide faith, hope, Notice faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Notice it says they now abide. That means in this time before the Lord returns, now abide faith, hope, and love. They abide. They're here. But notice what it goes on to say. These three. These three. So you could say it like this, if they abide now and he said these three, then they're not the same. Love, hope, and faith are not the same. And then it goes on to say, but the greatest of these is love. Notice they abide and they're three distinctly different things. And uh, one is faith, one is hope, and we know one is love. Now, most of us would define love real easy. 
right? We would go, yeah, love's not faith and love's not hope, but love is patient. Love is kind, right? Love is forgiving. Love doesn't hold things against people and become bitter against people. Anybody, it lets it go, right? We know love. So love is not hope and love is not faith. Would you agree? So he said these three. So turn to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, a familiar verse, and we're only going to touch on this a little bit. Probably we'll touch on this actually through this series uh, again and again. But Hebrews 11, if those three are separate, um, notice Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says this, Hebrews 11.1 1 in the New King James, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Notice how they're not at all the same. Would you agree? If faith is the substance of things hoped for, then what is hope and what is faith? And we're going to look at the faith part in a minute. But hope is this. When you talk about hope, it's not about faith. In this aspect, we talk about the hope of the return of Jesus. The hope or the helmet of hope the Bible talks about. It's talking about something that will come. We just don't know when it will come, but we expect it. Like the Lord's return. He's the, we have the hope of His return. We don't know that it's on Tuesday next week. I mean, we might be able to target it real close, but we're hoping we can't just use our faith and have it now. Right? There's a lot of people in the world that hope their life could be different. They, they think there's got to be more to life. They start hoping for something. You could say this, hope is defined as something out there ahead but not now. You with me? And so, faith is not hope. And we'll see that again in a minute when we get down to what faith is. So you can know this. Hope is always future tense. Faith is not. But look at this. So if, if faith is not hope, or hope is not faith, we need to know if we're talking like God's going to do something in the future. God's going to do this. God's going to after we prayed. There would only be some qualifications. If we prayed in faith, it has to change from God's going to, to I believe He has. You know, how many people have gotten saved, and we've all seen it at some point, they came down front, and uh, they, they get saved, and then the next week they come down again. Anybody ever seen that? And they come a couple times, and you think, well, what happens is they don't feel like it's theirs now, which is faith, and they want something they felt to come to them at some point, and so they get back into hope instead of faith, which believes it's mine now. You with me? And like I said, we'll get into this further. So faith is not hoping. 
So like when people say, we're just hoping, then there's something different. That means they hope to see it or would like to see it in the future. And hope can be good. Hope is not bad in its right place. But if you substitute hope for what is supposed to be faith, you will constantly uh, be sick, so to speak, to your stomach. Hope deferred, says, makes the heart sick. Because hope is something that's going to come, but has not come. And if it's always going to come, but it never comes, that can make your heart sick. Now, I don't mean literally physically sick, but you just get like, when's the Lord going to come back? But hope can be something in your life that just never, things that never seem to materialize, and there is a way to make them materialize. You with me? For example, that, with that word of knowledge, I knew if they'll just keep looking beyond what they feel and not think, why isn't it changing? It will manifest. It has to. And I just thought, and I'm not going to claim it again, and I'm not going to pray again trying to get it, because then I believe it's out there in the future somewhere if I'm trying to get it. You with me? And so I just left it at that, and I just put my attention back on the Lord, and I recognized the symptoms, and then all of a sudden I recognized them leave, and I thought, oh, they're lifting, praise the Lord. You out there? So faith and hope are not the same. Faith is something different than the future tense of hope. Now, here's another thing. Faith is not works. Now, somebody said, well, I know that. Okay, you might. But maybe people have been doing some things that they think is faith, and therefore they deserve something from God. Like, you know, I've been praying a lot, God. Why aren't you doing it? You notice, why aren't you? It's out there in the future again. It's not believing He has done something, but then what's happening is, you know how much I did and how much I worked and how much, like, I deserve this. And people are like that. Like, I keep all the rules, God. Why aren't you doing this in my life? Because we, if you remember, the why of faith, we always receive by faith, not by our good works. Now understand this. Faith will act on things, but it's not an issue of like, oh, i got to keep these good works to earn something. I'm going to read... Uh, Romans 4, uh, fourth chapter, the first verse through the fifth verse, but I'm going to read it from a different translation than the New King James. And this is super important because how many times have people thought, well, if I confess the word enough, I'm going to get it. And they didn't even realize they're actually making a work out of it. And they've confessed the word 10,000 times. And nothing changed. And I tried that. And, and it just didn't happen. Because there is a reason why. You with me? And uh, I'm not trying to say I can give you one answer, but I can definitely tell you a fundamental mental principle that will make that work. And we will talk about that in the future. Somebody said, talk about it now. 
No, we'll, we'll talk about it in the future, all right? But I'm telling you, because there are people who said, I've confessed that 10,000 times. Why, I don't, why, where is it? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Sometimes that can be works. Like, you know, I said this 10,000 times, Lord. Where is it? Everybody okay? Thank you. So Romans 4, and, and some of these things will unlock, like I said, what, finding out what it's not will help you to know what it is. Romans 4, 1 through 5, it said, Abraham was humanly speaking, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation, nation, which we know. He had the descendants and then they came, but he's not only the founder of the Jewish nation, he's the founder of our faith or trust, right? We use his, him as an example. It says, what did he discover about being made right with God? Abraham discovered something. That's what we're doing right now by teaching this, is helping people to discover something. And here's what is best. Find out from somebody else that discovered it instead of having to discover it on your own. That gets you steps closer. And so what did Abraham discover? Romans 4, verse 1. I'm reading it in a different translation. That's what I said. So, Romans 4, verse 1, verse 2. Any other questions? No. Let me go back and read that again. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? Verse 2. If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. He would be able to boast. Look what I did. All these good things. See, God had to do that for me. I prayed more. I obeyed this. I, did, I got circumcised like he said. I did it. had all my servants circumcised. I did all these good works. I, I obeyed him in these things. But notice this. He would have something to boast about. But that was not God's way. You know, because sometimes people will, will, on the other side of the table, say, well, I'm not good enough to receive or to be healed because I haven't done the right things. Or to receive, have blessings in my life because I'm just not perfect and I'm not this. Now remember, faith will cause us to act, but the law would, you know, that somebody would follow would dictate, if I do this and do this and do this, I earn it. Then, then you, you know, you could boast about that, but that's not how you receive, and that's what he's saying. But that was not... God's way. For the scripture tells us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. 
not because of his works, not because of all the good things he did, not because he was an outstanding citizen. Therefore, if anybody should get something, it should be Abraham. Abraham, the outstanding citizen, he and his wife lied. Remember? Go to the city. She's good looking. There's a king there who's collecting wives. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say, you're my sister. If anybody says anything to you, you tell them, that's my brother. Anybody remember the Bible? The B-I-B-L-E? Yes, that's the book for me. And so they go in there and the king sees them and he's like, "Woo, check her out. He's like, go get her. And they're like, you married? No, because he thought, they thought, they'll kill him. So Abraham's out, that's my sister. Off he goes. Before the king can do anything, all of a sudden sickness strikes the whole bunch. What's going on? They start examining her, come to find out, you know, who do you serve? What's going on? Well, technically that's my husband. Why'd you bring this on us? God was looking out for him. They weren't even trusting God. They were working it out themselves. Great faith people. This lying. And now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying, hey, when we leave today, let's go ahead, we can lie, we'll be cool, it'll be fine. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. But Abraham uh, did some things, and you can find other things that he did, but he was justified apart from his works because he trusted in God. You with me? I believe lying is wrong. You, you with me? So Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith, not his works. Notice this. Now, I would say this. If you are perpetually lying, and you know God's been dealing with you about stuff like that, or something perpetual, and you've just known inside... And you say, see, it's not about works. If God's dealing with you about something and you're knotted up inside going, I know I need to do this or I know I shouldn't be doing this. It's faith to act on that. It's unbelief to not act on it. And what that does is it strikes your heart. You say, in what way? The Bible said your own heart will condemn you and it'll affect your confidence toward God. You with me? Anybody ever done something or was doing something or not doing something they knew? Man, God's been dealing with me about that. The only way to cure that is to obey. Now, does it make you righteous? No. Receiving Christ does. But you want to clear that up inside and walk like a child of God. Amen? Everybody okay? Verse 4, when people work, their wages are not a gift but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their works, but because of their faith in God, who forgives sinners. Notice that phrase. God is the one who forgives, and He doesn't do it by works, like, I promise you I'll never do that again if you forgive me this time. I'll be the best person. Before I came to walking with the Lord in 1985, I remember uh, knowing, my time's up. 
I got to obey. I got to give my life to the Lord. I lived life for years not even thinking about him. And I remember thinking, well, I got to straighten up. And I kept trying and kept trying, you know, and, and quit this and quit that. And I couldn't quit. And finally, I just said, Lord, you can have my whole life. I got delivered from all the stuff I kept trying to quit. All of a sudden, I don't want to smoke pot anymore. I don't want to drink beer. I don't want to do drugs. I don't want to do any of that. I'm like, wow, I didn't even want to cuss. I still don't. But I was, and other things, the appetite just changed inside. Remember, we read that last week. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. You with me? There is a way. Abraham learned that it wasn't going to be by works, but what's interesting is his descendants fell into, we're good enough by our works. They didn't even follow to the, the steps of grandpa or great-grandpa or whatever. You with me? Because we know that today, you know, that they think we're good by our works. Does that preclude good works? No, because of our nature, we want to do good. And so, faith is not hope, faith is not good works, and faith is not sight. Faith is not sight. This is important, because many people mistake faith and sight as one and the same. So turn to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and we're going to notice, and there's other verses, even Abraham later on in that chapter that we were looking at, it starts to describe how he used his faith and he wasn't moved by sight. Even though he didn't feel it, though he didn't experience it, uh, he wasn't moved by sight. You with me? How he felt. He believed something when he didn't feel it, when he didn't see it. And so here in 2 Corinthians, and obviously in the context, he didn't work for it. So 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. And this one can be tough on people because we live in a world that doesn't teach faith. Our world teaches experience, feeling, touching, can I see it, can I weigh it, can I smell it, can I hear it, all these sensory things, and faith at times demands you to move away from that. As a matter of fact, when we were praising God, I'm sure that people started experiencing His presence. But in all reality, one of the first things is we're not feeling it outwardly. Actually, we're spiritually picking that up. Besides physically recognizing it too, affecting you. For example, that word of knowledge, and, and it just fits right here. When I was in the office praying... I recognized what it was inside, then I could sense it spiritually. It wasn't on me physically, but I went, it's down this person's arm. It's almost weighty like a yuck. But it's real faint right now. It hasn't laid hold. You know, that would help you to understand how the flu operates when it comes to people. 
You know, sometimes you can notice it just sitting on you. Anybody ever notice that when, when the flu comes? It just sits on you at first. That's a good time to go, get. Get from me right now. And I recognize that. I remember years ago when these things started, I first started getting used to some of this stuff. I remember being at work and all of a sudden uh, I would sense that come on me. And uh, I was like, you get out of here. You got to go find somebody else. And I'd go back to work and for 10 minutes that same thing would be there, sometimes for 15 minutes. But I just acted like what, what I said had to happen because it's spiritual, not physical. And you know, every time it would leave. Usually within two, three, four minutes. But I didn't put my attention on it. I just put my attention back on work and on the things of God and took off and went about my business. And this is what I found interesting. Every single time without exception and that's why i said what i said before service you get off this property too because every single time one of my co-workers and there might have been a dozen of them one of them would be sick the next day every time or two and i went oh that thing came here looking for somebody So if all of a sudden you're like, oh, is that going to happen to me? Just go, no, under your breath, it's not going to happen to me. You're going to have to go. So after this happened maybe eight, nine, ten times, I started telling people, watch, somebody's going to be sick tomorrow. They're like, what? All of a sudden, sure enough, so-and-so called in sick. How'd you know that? A few weeks later, watch, somebody's going to be sick tomorrow. How do you know that? Because that thing was walking around. Or moving around. said so But it wasn't physical. It was a perception that manifested when it laid hold. Everybody okay? So faith is not sight. Faith is not sight. But many times people walk by sight. Now I think if I would have felt that or sensed that on me and thought it was totally physical, it would have stuck and attached and I would have been home for a day or two. But I recognize I'm perceiving this first before it's laying hold physically. And so 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says this, For we walk, notice this, we walk by faith. So this is a lifestyle. We walk by faith. We walk by faith. Notice, not by sight. So, the, so if we're to walk by this faith then, and not by sight, then faith and sight are not the same. Would you agree? It's not always the same. Sometimes sight lines up with the truth. Sometimes it doesn't right off. You with me? And so, what we need to recognize is if we're going to walk by faith, we're going to have to learn to not walk by sight. But it's not just what we're talking about, physical sight. Because if that was the case, you could close your eyes, and everybody goes, okay, we're going to, we're going to walk by not by sight. Notice it said faith, not by sight, not just not sight. 
but by faith, not by just sight. In other words, what we perceive, what's experienced with the eyes. But do you know what's experienced with your eyes? Many times you can experience with other senses. Like, like we've got these fires here, you know, around right now. And uh, today was one of the first days I could smell it. I think it's because it was more that other one that's starting to go. But what happened was, what happens is you could smell it. Uh, sometimes you could see the smoke, but then sometimes you can't see the smoke, but you can smell it. And then you can turn your head and go, oh, there's the, the smoke. And I noticed that earlier today, getting in the car. Well, I could have closed my eyes and perceived that there was a fire. Right? And the same thing is true. If it gets physically dark, that doesn't mean you're automatically walking by faith because you guys know what happens when it gets dark and you're down a hallway or something like that or somewhere unfamiliar. Hands go out. Right? You're still walking by sight, but you're using your hands based on what you feel. And so many people look at how they feel and go, well, I gave my life to the Lord, but I must not be saved right now because I don't feel like it. That's walking by sight or the senses. And then, then somebody said, you know, I must be lost right now. Or, or people do this. You know, we start praising the Lord and all of a sudden we start sensing God and then we come to the conclusion, God showed up. God showed up this morning. Hallelujah. No, God did not show up. He never left us, the Bible said. But we did something that He worked with and through it, he manifests himself, but he was there the whole time. But the only way you're going to know that truth is to walk by faith, not by sight. Everybody okay? And so, faith and sight are different. So if we know it's not hope, it's not out in the future, and we know it's not works, what does faith look like? Because if I know what faith looks like, then I know when I've got it or not. Everybody okay? Hebrews 11.1, 1, we'll go back there. And notice this, Hebrews 11.1. 1. What in the world is faith? Faith is not hope. Everybody alive? Faith is not hope. And this will help you to receive from God, to walk where you're not on a roller coaster. You know what I mean? Up and down, up and down. It'll smooth the path of life for you. Because you won't be bothered by certain things. Hebrews 11.1. 1. I'm going to read it in a couple of translations. It says this, Now faith is the substance. Notice how it starts. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now remember, we said hope is in the future. But notice how it starts out with faith. Notice what it says. Now, is that future? It's present. Now faith is 
Or even if you got rid of the now and just read the next two words, it says, faith is. Let me ask you, if I said, faith is gonna be, would you say that's interpreting it correctly? No, because faith is. It's faith is now, or now faith is. Faith is something that is in the present tense. Faith is not future tense, which is hope. Hope sees something and goes, man, I wish I could have that. Or, oh, isn't that nice? Maybe someday. Faith, notice this, now faith is or faith is now. Notice it says faith is the substance. But remember, we walk by faith and not by sight. But wait a minute, it says faith is substance. But, but we're to walk by faith and not by sight, and faith is the substance. This is substance. Right? This paper has its substance. The, but is this faith? It says faith, which is not sight, which can't be perceived by the physical, is actually substance. Uh, what are you saying then? That's what I'm getting at. That's why I said you got to know what it's not because then you can know what it is. And if faith is substance, then whatever this substance is, it's not physical substance. It's spiritual or heart substance. So as we read on, we'll see what this is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. I hope for money. I hope for healing. I hope for deliverance. We all do. You have to start with hope. You have to. Because if you don't start with hope, then there's nothing to give substance to. So hope is not bad. We want these things, but we, need, we want it, but that doesn't say I have it. But faith is a non-seen substance that changes hope into the now. What is that substance? Well, it's faith. <sighs> Help me, I am. See, notice, faith is the substance of things hoped for. That object, faith, is actually a non-seen substance. Of what? The thing you hope. It's the substance... Wherever the substance is, it's not physical substance. It's not seen substance. It takes the hope of something you want in the future or you desire to have like money or healing or deliverance and it takes that and faith is something you possess. We're not going to get in this today. But it's something you possess, you possess in your heart. So this substance gets in your heart before you see it. 
It starts taking something that's out there in the future, that's out there that you say, that would be good to have. I would like that. And faith is substance. What does that substance look like if it's not physical? It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. In other words, we don't see the hopes because the Bible said, if you, why do you hope for what you see? So this unseen that's out there, we need this faith substance in our heart. We need this faith substance of stuff you don't see in your heart. Out there it says it, it, it's yours, it belongs to you. What you've got to do is get this substance or this conviction or this persuasion of things not seen in you. What's he saying here is this. Let, let me read a different translation. How's that first? Then I'll tell you. Why Miss New Testament reads this. Now faith is a well-grounded assurance. So that assurance is substance. It's real. I believe healing is for everybody, but I believe healing is mine. I believe that before I see it. That's the substance. Notice, it's the, it's, faith is a well-grounded assurance. A substance, internal. Well-grounded assurance is a commodity. Haven't people said, God, give me more faith? The disciples did. So it had to be some kind of commodity. Isn't that the truth? He, they said, Lord, increase our faith. Or, you know, give us some faith. And he said... It's the well-grounded assurance of that for which we expect or hope. And a conviction of the reality of the thing we do not see. So it's an inward substance, but you could say that whatever it is, it's real. It takes up heart space, and it gives you a reality before you see the reality. Faith is really a perception, an inward reality, an inward knowing, an inward conviction in your heart, in your core, before you ever see. That's why the Bible said when you pray, we're to pray in faith. We're to approach God not just in hope, but being inwardly convinced, having substance in us. So what kind of substance? Faith. Faith going, when I go to pray, guess what? What is out in the future becomes now. What I, what I don't see becomes now. And how does it become now? Because I've got the conviction, the reality of that thing that not only does God want me to have it, but He said when you pray, believe that you receive it. So you change your hope into faith. You change it from, uh, I'm going to get it, to I believe I've got it. And that is now I have it. Here's the thing. Uh, 
there's times we pray and people don't believe God moves till they see it. That's not faith. Faith always ends its prayer with the spring from the heart or from, from their understanding, that, that assurance that this is mine now. When you don't even feel it. When you don't see it. When it's out in the future by sight. But you go, that's it. And then you don't have to earn it. Like, what, what kind of works do I have to do? No. What did Abraham learn? He got it apart from works. But we have to have this faith in the heart. This confidence. We're going to talk about how to get faith. We're going to talk about where the heart is and how to get it because sometimes people will automatically listen to a lie and the enemy will rob them of faith because they'll have a doubt thought in their head or they'll, they'll look at something and it didn't change immediately and he'll say, pray again. To pray again in a certain way in some cases is to say, I didn't get it the first time. It's to back away from faith. It's to back away from confidence and jump back into hope. And I know some of the things I'm saying is a lot of information. But you get this and you realize you can have faith, which is now. Faith is the inward substance, right? Right? Faith is an inward substance, which we would call, what is that inward substance? We'd call it confidence and assurance of something out ahead. We believe it's ours now. And we would believe it, it's a reality before we see the external reality. But it's not just working on the principle and going, okay, let's try this, let's pray and see if we see it. No, because then you're walking by sight. You want the inward assurance. And the only way you can get it is out of the Word of God and the Spirit working with you. And then what happens is you can walk around with substance, faith, of things you don't even see. But what are we giving substance to? Everything that's already been provided. You're not trying to get it from God. You're just working on yourself to get yourself in a confident position. This is mine. You're changing all these things that say you're delivered, or going to be delivered, or God's going to do this. Faith changes it to God says it's mine. If you'd read it like God says it, it would put confidence in you. It would put the substance in your heart and then you would act and you would see. And it would be true for all of us. Right? And I know this, these are independent things we're teaching and I taught long today. But it's important to know there is a difference between what we see, what people... Because sometimes people say this, I'm believing God's going to do it. No, we need to, when we pray and we do have faith... We need to know it's done. And the only way you're going to know that is because he said, if you ask, believing with confidence, it's done. And I'll tell you what, the devil was here already this morning. 
I mean, I'm going back to the same story, but it's just the first one. I, I just said, y you're going to have to go. And I started walking down here. I went, that's still on her. And I almost went, I told you get earlier. I said, no, I don't have to do that. You already got your eviction notice. You're already beating it. Had to move. And I just kept my eyes off, so to speak, what I was recognizing. I will say this, hearing this again would help. I'm not selling this. You can go watch it on YouTube if you'd like to. But, but, but I do think it would be helpful because sometimes people need, and all of us at times, need to be refreshed in this area.